Hello and welcome to Sideways. This week we're talking about Phil Daniels in the film Quadrophenia, or rather the issue of multiple identities that the film represents. Martin gets excited about sticky tape, gives us some illuminating information about stealing from the bees. We both recall experiencing a common metaphor in real life and wonder why people bother to put the progress they've made with their games on the internet. Who am I? sorted out yeah i'm good thank you how are you i'm all right i was just trying to do wordle uh, any any success well i've had two goes and i know what three of the letters are but i can't work out which order they're in yeah i've seen people start to put that up on facebook yeah I wouldn't uh, do that. How, how they're doing on wordle but i've never really got involved in it myself isn't there a there's a pretty similar tv program isn't there lingo which which pretty much does the same thing I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't really understand that um, the whole thing about putting your uh, game successes on the internet. I mean, <laughs> when you win a game of Monopoly, you're supposed to put that up or something. <laughs> I don't know. Perhaps it's just I think you at Soccerama, should I put it on there? <laughs> well, that would never happen, but you could do. <laughs> I seem to remember we did put it on the last time we had a game. I think we did, yeah, but that's probably about five years ago now. Yeah, we, we play Soccerama less frequently than the World Cup comes round. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we need to have another another uh, Soccerama evening. You're right. We do, yeah. Yeah, other, anyway, other than that, I'm fine. The sun's shining and, you know, it's good, isn't it? Nothing it is, to complain it is nice. about. Yeah, no, no, exactly right. But um, shall I tell you what I wanted to talk to you about today? Yes, no, it's, it's an idea that I've had for ages, really, but I've not got really ever got round to exploring it further. Well, so it's one of your ideas. Well, they normally are, aren't they? I know now and again you might you might throw your hat into the ring with something, but <laughs> <laughs> generally speaking, I have to do the the donkey work. You're yeah, right. Yeah, this is this is definitely an um, example of selective memory. Is it now? Okay. Well, well I'll, I'll, I'll let that slide. Um, but this 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 idea was initially sparked um, by an interview I was watching. Uh, on TV with with the actor Phil Daniels, remember him? Oh yeah, I do. Yeah, because he was he was being asked. Well, he's done lots of films, but he was asking he was being asked particularly about the film Quadrophenia, um, which is which the only one film. I can think of seeing him in. Uh, yeah, well, he's been in other stuff since, hasn't he? Yeah, but, uh, yeah, I'm sure he has. But that's well, the one it, that I associate him with. Yeah, I think that was it was his sort of big break. Although he was in Scum and that beforehand, I think this one was a was a bit of a big break, wasn't it? But it was a film that I remember that. Um, my younger brother, Paul, and I were quite obsessed with it at the time. I think it was probably one of the early films we were able to get out from the, um, the video shop to yeah. play at home so you could watch it more than once. Um, and, and in that, uh, Phil Daniels, he obviously plays the main character, Jimmy, if you remember rightly. I do. Um, and he said, to, when he was being interviewed, um, Phil Daniels said that he loved the way the film explored the character's search for an identity. Mm-hmm. Um, if you remember rightly, it sparked a whole mod revival in the UK, didn't it? That one film. It did. Yeah, Which, there's uh, people going rounds with targets on their, the back of their parkers. They were, and, so, and suddenly there's a load of Vespers and uh, Lambrettas flying about everywhere. Did you ever Which, have to, um, did you have to, ever, were you ever called upon to paint Selector or Madness on the back of a jacket? No. No, I wasn't, no. Uh, even though I did know a few of the mods, but I was generally much more in the leather jacket, long-haired rocker brigade, really. But if someone um, went along to you and took their, you know, their parker and asked you to put the back, uh, put the uh, a selector album on it, that would have been quite good, wouldn't it? That would have been quite yeah, a challenge. 
Um, You'd yeah, only need just, black and white, wouldn't you? You would only need a lot of, lot of well, yeah, the sort of scar stuff yeah. was all black and white, wasn't it? But it mm. was, uh, yeah, that would have been easy. And, and the, the Parker material would have been quite nice. It would have been like a canvas. Exactly. Nice. But exactly. no, I, I, I never did one of those. Um, anyway, I was looking at this going, do you know what, what the, the meaning of quadrophenia is or was? Because I'd never really, it wasn't until this week I understood really what it meant. It's for something, isn't it? It is, yeah. Well, it was, it's, it's a variation on schizophrenia, ah. which is obviously a dissociative identity disorder, isn't it? And, um, and it, it, quadrophenia reflects the four distinct personalities that Jimmy had in ah. the film. Mm. Each one was supposed to represent one of the members of the Who, who wrote the original rock opera. Oh, on which the film was based. Wow! Well, I'd, have see, go, I'd, I'd have to go back and watch that film again now to see if it made more sense. Which one was John Entwistle? <laughs> I don't know. I'd, I'd, I only found that out this week. All the years I've loved the film, I never really knew what it meant. I just accepted it as a word, and that was it. I moved on. <laughs> anyway, before we start, before we yeah. start, remember last week we were talking about veganism? Yeah. And I, I showed my ignorance regarding the understanding as to why vegans don't eat honey. Yeah. Um, well, uh, luckily, I had a text through from one of our regular listeners, Aaron, who put me straight on that one. Okay. Um, and uh, so I thank him for clearing this one up because I was, I was a bit unsure. But his ex was a strict vegan and she explained, well, obviously, you know, they, they didn't get involved in any eating animals or animal byproducts, of which obviously honey is one of them. Um, but the reasoning behind this was is that at the majority of the hives, the drones, in the majority of the hives, the drones spend their whole lives collecting pollen to be made into honey. Yeah. This is, this is stored in the, in, in the hive as a, as a food source, you know, for the whole of the hive during the leaner months. And then us humans come along, we take this food source and replace it with an inferior sugar water replacement. Oh. Yeah, and it's going to have an adverse effect on the general health of the hive, as well as really making the drones' lives, all their hard works, um, you know, in their pursuit of pollen, uh, yeah. seem sort of sort of wasted, really. So that's that's the that's the reasoning behind it. So I'm, I'm so thanks to Aaron for helping me out on that one. Well, thank you because that's I've learned something as well. So really, yeah. when you're going to collect the honey from the hive, you should leave some honey behind. That'd be better, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, one for one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Put some old honey in there. Or maybe some maple syrup, just change it up a little bit. Well, it's, I suppose it's a bit like, um, I mean, if, if we are, I see we're putting this inferior um, sort of a sugar re- water replacement stuff in there, it'd be a bit like, you know, your veggie box that you get delivered. It'd yeah. be a bit like me taking that away and putting a, putting a little box there with some KFC, a family bucket of KFC down there or some crabs <laughs> or something. It's all yeah. keep you alive, but nutritionally, it's not in the same league. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that analogy and I wouldn't like you to do that. Anyway, I'm going to drag you back to the subject matter. Just on the subject though of um, uh, identity, it's uh, St. Okay. George's Day tomorrow, isn't it? Uh, it is, yes. Yeah, that, and I was just thinking about that and, uh, and how that is very much associated with identity, isn't it? It is, but isn't it? it's, it's sort of changed. It's all, I don't know how you feel, but it's almost, you almost feel racist if, mm. you, if you wear the, the cross of St. George. Or That's what I mean. That's what I mean. It's, your... it's got a very, it has a very significant <clears throat> uh, connection to identity these days. I mean, my yeah, real it? memories of St. George's Day are <clears throat> having to go on those crushingly boring St. George's Day parades with the scouts. Oh, yeah. I remember those. God, that Horrendous, was awful, wasn't, wasn't it? it? You have to wander around for ages on end and you'd have to sit yeah. through the most boring of church services for what yeah. seemed like forever. For, forever, yeah. It was a shocker, wasn't it? 
It was, especially on those days where the parade, uh, where, it, where it rained, it literally rained on your parade. It was, it was, over, it was horrible, wasn't it? I hate that when I get absolutely caught in a metaphor, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in a literal sense. Yeah, you're right. I'm going to have to think of some other metaphors that have actually happened to me. <laughs> you have to jot them down. If you come up with them off the top of your head, that's quite impressive. Well, I don't know. You think about it. I mean, there's a lot of metaphors around, aren't there? Yeah. You must have experienced some of them. Yeah. Apart from it raining on our parade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, have to th- you'll have to cut a lot of this uh, jibber-jabber out. But yeah, it's a yeah, good idea. I don't idea, know why mate. you even bother saying that, because you know that I won't. <laughs> All right, well, I'm definitely going to get you back to the subject matter in this mm-hmm, case. Mm-hmm. Go on then. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, it's that, that, that Phil Daniels interview was, was several years ago, but it, it sort of always stuck with me. But I was reminded of it again recently when watching, and I don't suppose for one minute you watched it, but Killing Eve. Ah, uh, well, um, is this series four? It's just finished, yeah. The latest series has just been on and finished. Okay, yeah, so I got, to, I got to um, three and a half. I watched oh, right. halfway okay. through I... series three and then I just didn't watch it anymore. So well, I, do, yeah. I do, I do, I am familiar with Killing Eve. You are. Well, I'm slightly surprised at that because of its popularity, but, um, well, it wasn't it, popular it, when it started because nobody knew it. it so it pr- probably not, perhaps not, but it saves me really explaining the plot then in that case, which, which is fine. But you remember that the, the main protagonist, Villanelle, yeah. um, she constantly changes her identity, doesn't she? In her, in her career as a, as an assassin. Mm hmm. Um, and Eve said to her, and it was in the, in the in the most recent series. She said to her on one occasion that that reinvention is a form of avoidance. In her case, I think reinvention certainly was a form of avoidance. I don't think it necessarily uh, yes. has to be, does it? I mean, sometimes it can be quite useful. You know, if you, I suppose, if you experience something, you know, a massive life change, something that's very traumatic, that's really kind of upended you. Sometimes reinvention is necessary. But actually, in in some of those cases, the reinvention is only possible because you acknowledge your true self. But yes, I think certainly sometimes when people are finding kind of multiple different ways of presenting themselves, it it might well be because they, for some reason, don't want to acknowledge who they are. Yeah. Yeah. Do you reckon that identity is mainly formed um, in adolescence or in childhood or, or is it... And this is a question I want to ask you, whether you thought it was a sort of a, I was going to use the word journey we're always on, but is it something that we're, that we're, we're constantly evolving our own identity? Definitely. I don't, you know, I think when people talk about, I mean, certainly my, my view, I think when people talk about um, identity almost as if it's just a fixed point, yeah. I, don't, I don't subscribe to that at all. I think inevitably our identity is shifting all the time. You know, if you ask me, who I was today, my description would almost definitely differ from what I said to you next Sunday, just because of, you know, the way I'm seeing myself in that particular time. I mean, I think there are, you know, there are constants in us, but I don't, I certainly don't think that identity is a fixed thing. And I think it's actually quite destructive to think of it as such. Also, when I was thinking about them, I was writing my notes, because other people will create an identity for us that for example, people would looked at me as, as being a heavy drinker. It defined me as, you know, and, and then the term alcoholic was appended to me. Yeah. Um, um, although, although the term alcoholic, as we've talked about in the past, is used incorrectly in most, in most cases. Um, it is, we're very quick, aren't we, to identify other people by their, by their differences. 
Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, other people can identify us in whatever way they want. It's when we subscribe to that um, description that the trouble starts. You know, so for example, when you were drinking, I mean, it's probably, there's probably a bad example for people who are in active addiction. But, you know, if someone, I don't know, for instance, now saw you as, well, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Yeah. You know, that sort of very disparaging, um, pejorative way of seeing you. That's up to them. The important thing is you don't see yourself like that. And I think, right. I think you're right. I think often people will see us in a certain way and they'll develop an opinion about us. And it, it may be from the, the, the parts of us that we've decided to reveal to them. But other people's opinions of us, other people's sense of our identity means nothing really. You know, it's the way that we feel about ourselves that's so important. And I know in some respects it's very, very, it's very kind of difficult to achieve that separation, particularly I suspect for people in recovery because of all the, you know, whenever you're in a situation where um, identity is wrapped up with shame and guilt, it obviously becomes yeah. very difficult. It is a tough one. I and mean, you also get the situation, and it, it, it comes up in groups from time to time, where, where, where people will actually um, have an opinion of us and then will try and antagonise and manipulate us so we fulfil that prophecy effectively. Yeah. So they will try and make you lapse. You know, they, they try and push you into position. Then they can say, there we are, told you so. Mm. Um, and so, it, it, so we can have identity and we, we can play up to that as well sometimes. I mean, uh, if someone looks at us in a certain way, we can then adopt that identity, mm. um, which again can, can be quite tricky. But there's so many, when I was doing the research, there's so many things that can, that can shape our identity. I think um, one of the things, and you may be coming on to talk about this, but I'll okay. throw it in there just in case you're not. Please do. One of the things that makes it, makes our sense of ourselves or our sense of our own identity so difficult is that we confuse it with the roles that we play. Okay. So when we think of, you know, ourselves, you know, I'm a father and a professional and a friend, you know, there's multiple roles that I play, but actually none of them are, I mean, they are part of me, but there's also something that kind of comes underneath that. the kind of sense of who I am without any of those things. When I move all of those roles aside, who am I left with? Something I've never thought about particularly, yeah, is stripping away those, those roles and see what's left. Probably not a great that deal. tends to be the way we make sense of ourselves. <laughs> is it? Yeah. Because we, th- you know, we, think of, we think of ourselves in terms of those things, but we're more than that. You, know, yeah. you didn't always play those roles, did you? You know, weren't always a father. No, no. no, you, weren't no always it- a, you weren't always an alcoholic or a recovering alcoholic. No. So there's something, yeah. there's something kind of beyond, there's something underneath that. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, often we find difficult and something you refer to quite frequently, you know, the benefits of things like meditation and mindfulness. That's where those sorts of practices are really, really beneficial because they, um, they are asking us to turn inwards, to reflect, to think about ourselves. And, you know, in, in some respects, aside from all of those various roles that we're playing, it's a very kind of singular um, way of looking at our, ourselves or it gives us that, that opportunity anyway. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that with, with, with meditation where you are effectively looking inwards and therefore stripping away those roles, aren't you? Yeah. Because exactly. you, you, you're not thinking about those roles when you're, when you're meditating. Yeah. Cause you don't, the, the point is, and it's, you know, it, in a way that it's, it's similar to therapy. You don't have to be anyone. When you're in therapy or you're meditating or you're following a mindfulness practice, in those moments, 
the invitation to you is don't you don't need to fulfill a role you don't need to be someone you can be whoever you are and that is an invitation that a lot of people find very very difficult but it is very liberating if you can reach it yeah i'm sort of nodding but that doesn't really come across does it on I was nodding in agreement and I was really thinking care about anyone else. <laughs> We've turned in on ourselves on this one, haven't we? Exactly. <laughs> We're only interested in our own identity, aren't we? <laughs> but when I was looking, when I was doing the research on these things that shape our identity, there's so many of them that yeah. I, I was starting to think, you know, do we actually have a choice? There's so many internal and external factors you know, the bit that's left, there's, there's, it's, it's tiny. But I just wanted to go through some of those, just what you, see what you think, really. Because yeah. I think things like massively influences, like our ethnicity, race, and culture. I mean, mm. that, that, that's such a major impact, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Massive impact upon anyone. We're yeah. talking about, well, it goes back to the St. George's Day thing, or the yeah. St. George's. Yeah. And, and our identity as, a, as a, an Englishman. Yeah, because that's, because that, there is there's kind of multiple levels even within that aren't there so you can say yeah. well i identify with st george because i'm english i was born in england but then you have to contend with all of the associated stuff that hangs off that oh am i going to be yeah. perceived like this are people going to think that of me and those are the <clears throat> those are the sort of things that perhaps make us turn away from something that we associate with um even if we would like to so, you know, there's confusion even at that very, very kind of superficial level. It is. There has. And I think it's certainly with that particular thing, again, with St. George, it's sort of, you know, patriotism has now turned nasty, hasn't it, in many ways. And it's, you know, we're, basically the rest of the world are not keen on us English, are they? I'm not embarrassed to be English, don't get me wrong, but you're, it's, it's, it's not something that you, you shout about anymore. Mm, I am. I feel embarrassed. Do you? Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's also part of identity. You know, there's something, if you get to the point, and, you know, it's not right or wrong, it's just is how you feel, right? And, and uh, but I don't, I, I don't feel proud to be British or English. I, I, and for those reasons that you, that you cite there, you mm. know, we, we, we have a shameful reputation, I think. Yeah, and, we do, yeah. Uh, and, and I, and I don't, I don't feel, personally that I'm able to step aside from that and say, Oh, well, that's not me. You know, I think there, and that also is about identity because that is also, um, that, that kind of reflects an inability to separate ourselves from the place of our birth and the place that we live. And I think that's right. I think we, I think part of identity is taking collective responsibility. It's not just mm. about what I do and my own personal actions and behaviors. I think I do have a kind of collective responsibility to my you know, fellow countrymen. And I, I wouldn't say that, you know, I feel ashamed of everything about England, but I, I do feel ashamed of a lot of it. Other things that um, I was looking at that shape identity, um, things like family, obviously yep. that, yeah, the way you're brought up, so gender, obviously there's a, there's a lot of gender identity politics going on um, mm. more recently than it ever has before. And I think that, that plays a big part in our identity, doesn't it? Relationships. They can have a big influence on our identity, can't they? We, we can be heavily influenced and change our identity to fit in with the person we're in a relationship with. Yeah, it's interesting this because all the things you're kind of talking about here, one could argue that it also works the other way around. You know, if you think about um, the kind of various levels of consciousness at which we operate, 
who am I? That question about identity uh, to me is quite kind of deep into our consciousness. And one could say that all of these things that you're describing here are impacting our our identity, but one could also argue that actually it's our identity (laughs) that impacts them. Yeah. The way I feel about myself, I think, um, impacts or forms my beliefs and my values and the way I behave and where I feel about, you know, my location, my environment. So I think, I think it is, it's kind of really fluid. It can work both ways. You know, I can be affected Mm -hmm. by that thing or I can choose to um, deal with it in a certain way because of the, 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 the impression, the belief I already have about myself. So it's, it's, yeah, it's, Deep. This is deep stuff, isn't it? It is a little bit deep. I don't want to take it too much deeper than that, really, because I mean, you've got to draw some sort of distinction at some point, I suppose, between um, you know your, your identity and your personality. Um, yeah, I mean, you're cho- you're choosing some you're choosing some very deep subjects these days. Yeah, I know it's not us, really, is it? No, it's good though. It's good. What are we doing <laughs> next week? What's the meaning of life? <laughs> well, exactly. I don't want to drag you too much down. I don't want it to be a busman's holiday for you. It's great. It's good. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Go on. Other things just to throw into the mix there was also that came up was things like, you know, life experiences can yeah. create. Um, again, it's going to affect personality as well as as as, uh, as your identity, I think. But um, other things that, we, that I think we can relate to things like sports affiliation. So you're affiliated to a, to a certain team, and yeah. you get the, you, that that can as a uh, people can identify you. You wear the colours, don't you? Mm-hmm. You know, you you're you're identifying with the team, and other people identify you as a fan of that team. Yes, uh, political and, and religious affiliations. They, that came up as quite a, a strong case of because we got we can be identified by you know the 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 party we vote for in, in political system and also by the um uh, uh, religious faith yeah those I and mean, those things you know they really do that they're examples of how um what's happening in society at large can have a big impact on the way that at least other people identify us if not the way that we identify ourselves you know as we become so for instance politically I can't remember um, our country being more polarised than it is these days, basically. And I think, I mean, it probably has been. I just can't remember it. Um, And I think that has a big impact because it creates a real kind of sense of sometimes vitriol and resentment about people who are on the opposite side of the divide. Yeah. And so that's, that's a kind of way in which our identity can be impacted by things that are happening actually outside of our sphere of influence. I mean, one could argue that they're in our sphere of influence because we all have a vote, but um, it's, you know, the way that you might be seen with a particular political or religious affiliation changes with society, doesn't it? It does. And I think more people will change who they vote for as time goes by as well. Mm. So that's a part of the evolution of our identity. Yeah. The last few little ones in there, uh, the substances that we abuse, that, uh, it's, uh, that can affect our identity, that's for sure. That was it, certainly that, a certain, it certainly affects the way other people identify us. Exactly. And, and you're right, it probably, identi- probably does change the way that we identify yeah. ourselves. But I think, again, with substance abuse and addiction, it feels to me as if what actually happens is that we are obscuring our identity. It's not changing, I don't yeah. think. I think no. because if you think about what addiction is, addiction is a 
is an avoidance. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it goes back to the villanelle thing. You know, when you're yeah. addicted, what you're really doing is you're avoiding who you are. You're avoiding that question of, well, who are you then? You don't want to look at it, you know, probably because you feel shameful or, you know, as if you're worthless or whatever it might be. So, so it's, you're still there underneath it all. Because if you weren't, when you go into recovery, you wouldn't be able to find yourself, would you? No, you wouldn't. You're right. I'm sure I think that's, I think it's kind of important. I mean, I don't know, I'm not a recovering addict, but if that feels like something quite important for people in recovery, you know, you, you were never gone. You're obscured. No. You've been lost. But, you, yeah. you know, in recovery, you're finding yourself again. It's not, you, it's, you know, it's, it's the whole, it's, this whole idea of the addicted part of you being hated. Actually, the addicted part of you is a kind of, it's like an overlay, isn't it? It's like, this is part of you, but yeah, there's something it, else underneath you. It's, it's a veneer, isn't it? It's a yeah. veneer. It's a veneer that can get, that gets thicker. The more, the more you're involved in it, yeah, yeah, I agree. So that that one little line in Killing Eve, then was it's quite we've dissected it quite a lot. It's, it's a bit like it's like being back at school, isn't it? Where you go through a Shakespeare play, <laughs> and every little line is torn apart. And, yeah, or and searching or for Chaucer. the use of uh, sorry, or Chaucer, or Chaucer. Yeah, exactly right. You're looking for any little allegory or metaphor or whatever, exactly. aren't you? And, yeah. and trying finding stuff that isn't there. But I think we found stuff that is there in this one. I'm happy with that. Yeah, that's good. Just the last couple of ones to throw in, which I think, um, apart from or genetics and or disability is quite a big one because that can people yeah. can, you know, we, we touched on that before. Uh, we can fight against that as well, can't we? You look at the, we mentioned the uh, the Paralympics where people yeah. aren't allowing their disability to define them. They're still yeah. cracking on and doing what they want to do. Yes, yeah, that's exactly my point. Actually, yeah. you know, identity is something is something deeper than the physical. It isn't just what we can or can't do you know if you if you suffer an accident or something and it and you it creates a disability in you you are still you know obviously you might be changed by that but you you're more than your we're more than our physical bodies we're more than our emotions we're more than our thoughts there's something that's my belief anyway there's something there's something more to us than that i agree i need to believe that because otherwise i agree what's, what's the point but um, so, yeah, the last couple of, couple of bits, really, uh, music and films, which takes us back to Phil Daniels again, really. So he's at the end of my list, but it, it, it fitted in nicely. So I was doing mm. one of those pullbacks again, like you, you were talking about last yeah, week. Yeah, it's nice. You like a bit of circular, don't you? <laughs> it ties it back in with the, the opening. Yeah. But music, I mean, that for me was a big, a, a big influence upon my identity. Certainly, again, talking about that point where, where does... Where, where is identity? Where does it really first start to, to come to the fore? And, and certainly for me in my adolescence, music greatly shaped my identity. Yeah, again, that's a, it's also a good example of how it can work the other way around as well, isn't it? Because you, when you decide that this is the group I want to be a part of, mm. this is who I identify with, actually you, by, by definition, you start to listen to and like the music because yeah. I'm in this, this is the crowd I'm in, right? Yeah. So that's why that's probably why you liked a lot of new romantic music when you were younger. Well, well I was thinking because I sort of changed, you know. I know when, like, uh, when punk came along, I thought this is fantastic and it's great, yeah, exactly. and, and I wanted to be a punk. And then it's sort of heavy metal was a, a less violent form, and I liked that. And yeah. then new romantics came along, 
Yeah. And especially, I was, I was probably influenced by my younger brother at that point, who was, was properly into all that stuff. So I got he into was, that yeah. as well. So I evolved and my music taste changed and my identity changed. Yeah. I used to put on different clothes depending on which gig I was going to. That's what, to, to, that's what I was saying in. earlier. You know, your sense of yourself shifts. <clears throat> I mean, what a depressing thought if it doesn't. Well, exactly. If it was, you know, of course, a of course, point. a lot of the a lot of the way that we feel about ourselves and the sense of ourselves is created in childhood. But always reminds me of that lovely phrase that I heard from someone once. And I can't remember who. That you don't have to have an un, you know nobody has to have an unhappy childhood forever. You know, yeah, that's, if if, that's if, true. if if you can't ever be if you can't ever break free of things um, that have caused you to see yourself in a certain way, then crikey, that feels like a pretty hopeless and helpless way of viewing life. It, it, it is. And I think I said, I wanted to sort of, we, as we have got sort of gone around a little bit of a circle here, back to what I was saying right at the start, but I think we've covered quite a lot of good stuff here. But I, this quote I just wanted to, to bring you to sort of wrap things up before yeah. we got on to the other bits and pieces was, um, it's by someone called, no, I can't read, so I can read my writing here, B.R. Embedkar. B.R. Embedkar. Now, he was a social, he was an Indian social reformer and political leader. And he says, and I quote him, that unlike a drop of water, which loses its identity when it joins the ocean, man does not lose his being in the society in which he lives. Man's life is independent. He is born not for the development of society alone, but for the development of his self. Yeah, it's exactly it's about it. right. It's what you were saying, really, wasn't it? It is that underneath whatever way you associate with this person or that person, or you play this role or that role, underneath there's something more to you. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly that. Good. Well, that's that's, that's me pretty much done on that. I'm, I'm, it was. I enjoyed the research this week. Actually, I've got to say, yeah, you're it learning was, um, stuff, aren't you? When you're yeah. doing it, that's nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I really did. I thought it was really good. Uh, so I'm, I'm sort of grateful for that. I'm, uh, I'm not. Well, that's it's quite a nice segue. Attitude. It's a, I'm not putting it, it wasn't oh. my gratitude, but I am grateful for having the opportunity a, to do these podcasts uh, and to be to it continues my learning, mm. which is uh, it was always it always makes you feel a little bit better about yourself and it keeps me sober, which is also quite important, massively important. Yeah. <laughs> so, what, so, what's on your gratitude list this week? Um, um, sticky tape, <laughs> right. <there. laughs> Well, various sorts, really. I was thinking about this because I was just thinking about sticky tape. But masking tape, I love. Uh, yeah, obviously, I use that all day, every day in my work. But it's very versatile masking tape. So I've used it to, when I've cut myself at work, use it as a sticking plaster and use it not only for, for what it's supposed to be used to. I've mended my, um, um, in my it, the clothes I'm wearing. If I've, I've ripped them at work, quick bit of masking tape gets you by. So masking tape or gaffer tape, I love. We, we, you know, it, uh, about, uh, we used to use gaffer tape a lot when we were, uh, yeah, doing gigs, gigging, yeah, yeah. Gaffer tape, love gaffer tape. So anything, seller tape, you know, I use. You can use that for all sorts of different. I love it. Sticky tape. I'm <laughs> grateful for it. <laughs> well, actually, I'm very pleased. I'm very grateful actually for for um, well, for sticking plasters, especially after I had to use them after being horribly mauled by one of your dogs this week. It was useful to cover up my wound on my leg. I think we should probably <laughs> clarify horribly mauled, should we? I think she was excited and jumped up at you and gave you a little scratch <laughs> on my leg yeah yeah which, which you sent me a photo of i did yeah and i didn't really understand why you sent me a photo because it didn't really it didn't do anything to accentuate the story or embellish it it just looked like a pathetic little scratch 
No, there's a deep wound. And I, what I was saying, because it's a, one, there's, there's a row of little tiny scabs. And uh, yeah, my grandson, William, picked one off when I wasn't looking when I was over there in the week um, wearing shorts. Suddenly I felt this sharp pain in my leg and he was picking up the scabs. <laughs> <laughs> it reminded me of what a painful experience it was by being mauled by your dogs, your pack of dogs. It's like wolves. It's like it's, I was set upon like a, set, like a lot of wolves at a, at a, uh, at, at a bit of meat. <laughs> I trained her to keep um, keep unsavoury characters, you know, at arm's length. That's what. Well, she I always say there's not there's no such thing as a bad dog. It's just a, a bad owner, and I think you fall into that category. You're a disgrace. No, she's she's defending me. She's a good <laughs> dog. So I gave her a, I gave her special extra food when we got home. <laughs> good dog. I said, good dog, good dog, mauling Martin. Good dog. <laughs> so, I suppose that's on your gratitude list. Is it? You're grateful that she mauled me. <laughs> Oh, my gratitude this week is, well, it's dog related, actually. I'm grateful that she's now, she now appears to be reaching the end of her first season. Because, uh, yeah. I mean, you've got a bitch in heat. I tell you what, it's it's a pain. Apart you from, were just about to swear there, weren't you? You pulled yourself in. I was going to swear. Apart from all the mess everywhere, which, you know, I won't talk into any detail about. Um, not being able to go to the normal places you go walking and having to keep her away from other dogs and keeping her on a lead most of the time. It's a flipping nuisance. So anyway, that's it. That's it. <laughs> it's been a but month had, and it feels like about six months. I mean, you've had a little whinge as well. So I hope you found it cathartic. Yeah, I did. I think I needed to get that off my chest. Good. Yeah. Good. Anyway, that's what I'm grateful for. Anyway, um, on my Spotify search this week, I just put Identity by X-Ray Specs, which is just a fabulous track anyway, and it, and it worked in nicely. Yeah. Was that, that was Polly Styrene, wasn't it? Was it? It was Polly. She was the lead singer, bless her, when she, she died in... Now. Sorry? She's dead, isn't she? Yeah, she was only 53 uh, when she died. She died in 2011, which is when I stopped drinking. So her death was my rebirth at that time. So oh. it just it, it so they, all happened two, in that year. two events related? Almost definitely. Yeah. <laughs> you think that's it now? Polystyrene's dead. I've got to stop drinking. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> really affected no, you. I, I can't go further into misery. I've got to get myself sorted out now. <laughs> um, uh, okay, so yeah, the bands that we like but have never purchased any material because right. Um, you did set us a bit of homework, didn't you, before for last week? Yeah. And if you if you saw that through, yeah, I didn't. I forgot. You forgot. <laughs> Okay. Well, I did say, Well, I found that I could listen to. I listened to a Beth Hart album, uh, I, and it was it was perfect music. When I was doing my notes as well, researching my notes, so it, oh. it, it, um, it all it all fitted in nicely. That's good. And, I can't um, I can't listen to music when I'm writing. Yeah, there was this is. I mean, it was sort of. I I, I really liked it. It's very bluesy, mm-hmm. sort of quite quite backgroundy, if you like. Almost like a Sunday morning album. You could put it on now, and you'd feel. If, oh yeah, this 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 suits perfectly. It was lovely. Was it I easy it was like really... Sunday morning, like the comedy. It was lovely, and I'm glad. I'm glad I listened to the whole of the album. I thought it was a it was a great. It's a ninth studio album. It was um it was called War in My Mind, which I quite liked that concept. As you know, Beth Hart is in recovery herself and drink and, and drugs. So yeah, I loved it. Well, who's on your list this week? Anyway, if you've got someone else to put on your list, the Jam. <laughs> no, I have actually. I have. Um, it's going to be difficult for anyone to top this one. Okay. The Beatles. The, oh, what? You've got no Beatles material? I haven't got any. Well, I've got a Beatles compilation, but I think as we established, you can't count compilations. No. Because it's not really, that's not really buying an album, oh. is it? So I haven't well, got any Beatles, no. Well, you're a rare person in society then. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, I like the Beatles because well, he doesn't. Okay, so, right. you can, so you can listen to a bit of Beatles. I'll listen to a bit of Everlast this week in that case oh, because Everlast as a band again, it's a band I saw live at at, at Rambling Man, and in fact, same stage that Beth Hart was on. She, I think she uh, she came on after Everlast. Well, and Everlast through the lineup on that day, virtually. Oh, yeah. uh, there's, there's several. Well, no, I think it's probably the last one from that uh, from that particular. Uh, festival that I thought, wow, they're really good. I mean, Everlast are, I mean, they're big in America. Well, he's big in, is it basically, is it, is, is it? I don't, I don't know any, I don't know. No, I mean, Everlast is the name of the guy. It's the name of the guy is Everlast. He was, he was the lead singer of, um, do you remember the the group called the House of Pain? They did Jump Around, Jump Around. Oh God, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But he's, he's moved on from that sort of hip hop-y sort of stuff to, um, it's sort of acoustic rock. Um, And there's a track they did on the day called White Trash Beautiful, which was just a wonderful song. In fact, I'll send you the link. You listen to it. I think you'd like it. It's mm. sort of acoustic rock. It's, it's, in fact, in fact I'd, I almost guarantee it would be an overlapping Venn diagram oh, that's of musical a, that's taste. A lo- that's a lofty claim. Oh, it is a lofty listen. claim. Yeah. Is that it? Your job done. Thank All you. Right. Good. I'll see you next right. time. Laters. Laters. Bye. Bye. Sideways was created by Graham Landy and Martin Pankhurst. If you want to read more about our work or sort through the extensive archive of past episodes, just visit grahamlandywellbeing.co.uk forward slash sideways podcast. You can follow us on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram at Sideways Podcast. And you can email us if you have a question or if there's something you'd like us to cover. But most of all, We want to tell you how grateful we are that you come and listen. And we ask that if you've enjoyed what you've heard, that you spread the word. And we'll see you next week.